Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining me for episode 44 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. This is your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find detailed show notes to this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 44. So I've got a really, what I hope to be an interesting show for you today, and it's about the topic of quitting. How do you know if you should quit? If you're in the middle of a project, an initiative, a push, uh, or when does it make sense to keep trying and to really stick to it, give it a fair shot, change strategies, change approaches, and so forth? Years ago, when I was getting started in, in business, I, I had so much going against me. And frankly, when I, when I look back at the days where I was launching my freelance business, when I was trying to get this thing off the ground, it's a miracle that I was able to to launch what became a six-figure writing business. It really is. I mean, I think about this quite a bit. I look back at it now, and it's amazing that I didn't think about quitting every single day that I worked that business to try to get this thing off the ground. And I, I did think about quitting, but only occasionally. It really wasn't an all-consuming thought. Not not at all. Um, you know, the, the daily outlook for me back then, this is late 2003, and for most of 2004, the daily, daily outlook was rarely pretty. And frankly, the journey seemed so long. I, I felt like I had such a long way to go before I started making headway before I could really even think about quitting my day job. And, you know, I feel the same way when I look at, let's say, a disabled soldier who's coming back home and you know, he's lost his legs in combat, yet he's thrilled to be alive. He's happy. He's cheerful. And he's confident that he's going to move on and live a normal life. I, I find that just truly amazing. Or the cancer patient who's just been dealt a horrible diagnosis, yet she knows that she's going to pull through. Somehow she knows this, and she's incredibly confident, just as I'm confident that the sun's going to come back up tomorrow morning. She's confident that she's going to beat that disease, and she does. She ends up beating it. And I find this to be such a fascinating topic, and it really couldn't be more important today for us self-employed professionals. And here's the deal. And here's why I want to talk about this today. Because the choices for striking out on your own have never been greater than they are today. And the barriers to entry have never been lower. You know, it's never been easier to set up shop, right? To hang your shingle. The opportunities to grow and expand your freelance writing business and to add new capabilities, new services, and find new clients for these services, that that opportunity has never been greater. But that increased opportunity 
also brings with it a whole new set of challenges that creates what I would call near immediate parity. And let me explain what that means. So the ease of entry into the freelance commercial writing arena also means that there's going to be more competitors for us, right? The, the, the improved technologies, the increased platforms and the increased accessibility to these platforms that bring buyers and sellers together, things like Elance, Odesk, Fiverr, et cetera, that also means more competition, more choices for buyers, lower prices. And that's just one example. So while the opportunities have never been better, there are also new challenges that we didn't have to deal with before. So you, know, you kind of get this, this opportunity to, to do better for yourself as a self-employed professional but it's almost instantly that there are now new challenges that you have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with before, which kind of cancels out that incremental opportunity and the uh, the chance to maybe take advantage of, of, of a new profit opportunity. So all this to say this, launching or growing a high-income freelance writing business is hard. And it, it, it really it really is very hard very hard. And I hate to say that in a way because part of me also knows that when you classify something as hard, you start believing your own story about that. You start believing, oh yes, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, few people ever make it. And when you do that, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But you know, I don't want to really talk too much about that today. I think that's a, a topic for another episode. And I really believe there's something to that. You know, it's there, there's something to what I call the Forrest Gump effect, which is, you know, the less you know, um, the better you'll do because you won't fall prey to kind of all these crazy stories about what's possible and impossible, just like Forrest Gump in, in the movie uh, didn't. And that's why he accomplished so many things. But um, that aside, what I want to talk about today is is this challenge, the challenge of getting started the challenge of getting your business off the ground. Or if you've already an established writer, you got your own set of challenges. The challenge of taking your business to the next level, of going from, say, $75,000 a year to $125,000 a year. Or expanding your service set, uh, the solutions you offer, how you run your business, or earning the same amount or more in less time. These are all challenges. That it, these are all very difficult challenges, and it doesn't really matter where you are in your business. If, if you're looking to improve in any way, or gosh, even today, forget about improving. If you're looking to survive and to maintain your current income level and the kind of clients that you might be working with right now, uh, that, that in and of itself is a challenge. So specifically, today I want to talk about what it takes to create those kind of breakthroughs and how to know if it really is worth the fight. Or if maybe that kind of pusher goal is just not for you, or at least not for you right now. Because you know what? Contrary to the popular belief, in at least in the Western world, it's okay to quit sometimes. In fact, I found that it's sometimes a smart idea to quit and to quit early. And many times that is the best option. It doesn't make you a loser to quit. Uh, you know, especially if you can do it before you even start, 
or early on in that initiative or that push when you realize, you know what, based on a new set of criteria that I'm now considering, which is I think it's a smarter set, I think it's best to not even go there or to just pull back now before it's too late. So I will tell you that much of what I'll share with you today is based on the ideas of Seth Godin and his marvelous book, The Dip. It's This is an amazing little book. It's very, very short. It's a quick read. You could read it in an hour or two. And uh, I tell you, if you don't already own it, it not only belongs in your bookshelf, but you need to read it today. It really is fantastic, and it will change the way you think about going after something big and making better decisions about when to go all the way or when to not even start and when to quit. So let, let's talk a little bit about this, this concept. Here, here's what I found, and this is no surprise to you guys, right? If you're listening to this show, if you're a regular listener, these principles, this, this is not something completely new or revolutionary, but I'm going to give you kind of a different twist on it. So here's the first kind of no-brainer. Every worthwhile endeavor starts out as fun, right? <laughs> it's exciting. It's invigorating. All you can think about is the end result. That's, that's, that's why it's fun. And that kind of excitement is what's going to give you what you need to get started. You need that excitement to kind of take those first early steps because we all know that those first steps in any worthwhile endeavor are you know, it's, it's hard. Most people don't take the first few steps. Um, and, and it's the excitement of being able to fit into your old jeans, right? Losing enough weight that you can now fit in the jeans that you haven't worn in 10 years. Uh, or getting that diploma or passing the bar exam or getting your, your CPA certification, landing that dream job. You know, these are all hard things to accomplish. But you know, initially, when you kind of set that goal, you're, you 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 get excited because you think about the end result. We're um, buying that beautiful home and enjoying the good times and that gorgeous patio that you're going to have, right? Or quitting your day job and freelancing full time or going from a solo business to a boutique agency with six or seven contract writers and designers. You know, you're, you're excited. You set that as your goal. You're ready to go. You're all charged up. And, uh, and you get going. And again, it's often that excitement that helps us get over those initial humps. We, we don't even notice those initial obstacles uh, or, or because we just, we're excited. We, we have what it takes to kind of forget about them and look past that. But as those obstacles keep coming and coming and coming and coming, what I found is the initial excitement starts wearing off, Right. Those early morning jogs start becoming a bit of a drag, especially in cold weather. You know, there's just two feet of snow on the ground. It just, it, this is just not fun. It's freezing, it's raining, or whatever. It, it, you no longer start thinking about the goal. You start thinking about what a pain it is to do this. Um, the course material was harder than you expected to go after this certification. Um, it, it's, it really starts suck and win to, to keep having to save that much money every month and to deprive yourself in many different ways for that next home down payment when the purchase is not going to happen for another three or four years. You know, you start, the excitement starts wearing off and you start just focusing on the obstacles, the effort. You can't seem to get in a single interested prospect. 
uh, or you're having a hard time getting clients interested in buying a more comprehensive offering from you. And, and maybe these are the same clients who initially expressed very strong interest in this new idea that you had. And now that you've formulated it and you've spent months uh, kind of reworking your, your, your business, now you can't seem to get any traction from the same people who encourage you. And many times it doesn't seem to be a break in these challenges. If anything, they seem to be getting worse one right after the other. And this is precisely what Seth Godin calls the dip. It's that dark place, you know, that you feel like you've hit rock bottom. It's just punch after punch after punch. And it's the place where you really start questioning if there really is an end in sight. You know, is there a corner coming up where things are going to turn around and you can finally get some breathing room or are you in a dead end street? And it's hard to tell when you're in this dip because it's so dark. You really can't see very far ahead, you know, so, so you're not really sure you can't go by what you see. You have to rely on some guiding principles. So you got to look at this challenge a little differently. Let's talk a little bit about this. And, I got five or six concepts that I really want to touch on to give you a, a framework to make better decisions as you approach these big obstacles. Because again, if you're going after uh, anything worthwhile, you're going to come across this. In fact, that is the first idea I want to discuss. All worthwhile achievements have a dip. You know, if it's worth doing, there's going to be a dip. There's no question about that. In fact, it's precisely the dip that makes the goal that you're going after so worthwhile. Pretty ironic, right? So why is that? You know, why is it that everything that's worthwhile seems to have a dip? Let's stick to freelance writing for now. Well, the fact that it's so hard to make it in this business limits the number of people who get in and stay in which then limits the supply of labor and keeps prices up. And we'll talk, talk more about that a little bit later. So in other words, every dip by default creates scarcity. If it were too easy, right, everyone would be doing it. We all know that, right? And you know what? In some cases, they are doing it. I mean, if you look at, again, the online job platforms like Elance and Odesk and so forth, there are tens of thousands of freelancers out there trying to get business. And, you know, they, Elance doesn't publish this anymore, but there was a long time where they were posting how many providers were out there bidding for work and then how many employers or how many um, clients were looking for a freelancer. And the ratio was way off. It was something like, and I tracked this a few times like 17 to one or 20 something to one. It was crazy. So there's only a handful of potential clients for every given freelancer out there. But guess what? How many of those freelancers will be around a year from today? That's the real question, right? Everyone tells me all the time, oh my gosh, but it's so crazy out there and it's impossible. And you know, these, these websites and overseas competition are making it impossible. You know what? I think you're looking at the wrong 
side of the coin here. Um, that is a myopic view of the situation. You kind of have to step back and ask yourself two things. First of all, are you why are you competing in those same markets with those same people? And that's a topic for a different show. But also, how many of those same freelancers are going to be around a year from today? You know, are you are you going to be around a year from today? So even in Elance and Odesk, there is a dip. There's always a dip if the end goal is worthwhile. And you need to know and accept that fact. Okay. We also want to believe that there's such a thing as overnight success. That the the you know the rock band that seemed to come out of nowhere and is now everywhere. They're on the cover of Rolling Stone. Where do these guys come from? You know, we we seem to fall prey to this idea that this was luck or that, let's say, the entrepreneur who's now a billionaire was just destined for fortune, that their IQ got them there or his connections. You know, these people just came out of nowhere. It seems like two weeks ago, they were just a regular guy or girl. And now they're on the cover of Time Magazine, right? That That's the impression that we get. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. But we never see the backstory. What we don't see is the years of crazy hard work, of constant fear, of major setbacks, of self-doubt, rejection, failure. We don't see that, right? Time Magazine, Newsweek, The Wall Street Journal, and Oprah won't really tell you too much about that. Maybe the exception with the exception of Oprah. (laughs) But you don't. You don't see that. So it, it just appears on the outside like there was no dip. Like, you know, maybe there's some dips, but there are some things that are worthwhile that don't have a dip. And some people just get lucky and get to skip over that. No such thing. Absolutely no such thing. And you need to accept that. And you need to understand that. The second idea I want to share with you is that you need to know why you're going after your thing. And I've talked about this before in this podcast. I've written articles about this. I've spoken about this in conferences. It's so important to know what your big why is. There better be a strong why behind your effort, your freelance writing business launch, your wanting to take your existing stable business to a whole new level. There better be a strong reason behind that because you're going to face a dip. And in that dip, you better have what it takes to get over it. Otherwise, there's no point in even going down that road. Okay, You need that anchor to get you through the inevitable storms because those storms are coming, brother. They are coming, and you better be prepared. So you need that strong why, that strong sense of purpose. It needs to be very clear, and you better know it going into it. Before you even try, know what it is. The third idea, and this is one that, um, you know, I I don't really hear a lot of people talking about it. I don't read a lot about this, but um, it's it's one that I'm kind of throwing in here. This, I feel, is completely my own uh, idea, but it's the thought that a true love of the process can be a very good reason for going after that big goal. Not always, but it can be. And let me explain what I mean by that. 
when I was a kid, I was about eight years old. I was, uh, I went to a tutor. My parents had me go to an English tutor over the summer. And many of you know that English is not my first language. I'm from Puerto Rico. Spanish is my first language. I actually speak better English today than I speak Spanish. <laughs> um, but um, so I was taking English lessons because the following year, and I believe it was, uh, gosh, I want to say it was second grade. So the following year, going into second grade, I was going to a school where English is spoken in every class. So I really needed to learn my English, and I just I didn't know any English. It's amazing how fast kids pick that up. I, I remember distinctly just kind of sailing through the uh, through the English lessons and having no trouble at all the following year. But uh, anyway, so I, I, I go to this lady's house, and she happened to have a kid my age. And um, we became friends very quickly. We had a lot in common. And I noticed that first couple of days I went that, that he had a candy store that he operated out of his garage. And I thought that was so cool. I'd never seen anything like that. Wow, you sell candy to the neighborhood kids. How cool is that? I fell in love with the idea. Well, he didn't seem too thrilled about it. In fact, he was sick of it. And he said, well, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm, this is just not for me. I'm just bored with it. And I, I don't know where this came from, but I got this crazy idea and I just asked him. I said, well, what if I bought your remaining inventory? <laughs> And I'm sure I didn't use the word inventory. And, um, you know, w- would you be willing to sell out? And he agreed. So I, I bought his inventory for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> and um, it's funny when it, you know, I think about this now, like what kind of kid does that? I, it just really says a lot about my wacky nature. So, um, so I bought what he had and I, I, don't remember exactly how this happened, but I talked to my parents about it and, you know, I had to run it by them. I, I, I know that much. They, they were okay. They were supportive. And my dad said, you know, um, there's not a lot of candy there. If you'd like, I know of a wholesaler. I can go in a few days and, um, you know, I'll go ahead and pitch in and, and give you some seed money and buy some candy for you. And that way you can start your own store and you'll have more than just a couple of boxes of candy, more than just gum and I think lollipops and something else. So I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Well, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get started. And it was that same day, that same day I came back home from my friend's house. I went door to door selling the candy that I had. I sold out in a couple of hours. I just couldn't wait to get started you know, my dad was talking about two, three days. That seemed like two or three years to me. I couldn't wait. So I went ahead and sold it. It wasn't about the money. It really wasn't. I was eight years old. You know, I, you know, I didn't have anything I really wanted to buy. Eventually I did. Eventually I wanted to save up for a Casio digital watch. But uh, those, are, those are hot at the time. They had just come out. But um, it, I, I really, it was just the love of the process. I have several other stories like that that are just as wacky, just as crazy, and had nothing to do with, you know, the earning the the money part. It was all about the love of the process, the the fun, the sheer fun of going after that goal, you know, just going for it. 
Um, years later, this is actually my last traditional job. I was in software sales and I was tasked with taking a software product that was on life support and trying to revive it and see what I could do with it and trying to see if I could just revive the market for it and create some sort of, you know, lead generating sales generating process for it. And I, just absolutely love the challenge. Now at the time, you know, we had no kids. My wife and I both worked. So, I mean, obviously I I needed to make an income. So I, I took the job. I needed a job, but frankly, to me, the real thrill was building something was experimenting with different approaches in order to grow that product, to get it off life support. And, you know, to make a long story short, uh, I was able to do that. I was able to create a very, very effective lead generating system and a sales process that grew that product by over 500% um, in four or five years. And it's something I'm extremely proud of, but that's why I, I wanted something I could be proud of. I wanted to create something like that. And yes, I made great money in the process, but it was it was really about the process. It was really about building something. My love for teaching today, you know, you guys know I make most of my living these days, um, and really more in the last couple of years from teaching and coaching, putting programs together. I absolutely love to teach. This wasn't something that I planned. Uh, it's something that I discovered little by little that I just absolutely love to teach effective ideas and strategies and processes. I love to tear things apart, find out what's working and teach that in a way that's going to make an impact that people can use to achieve results, better results faster. And honestly, uh, yes, I need to have an income, you know, in order to make this happen. I, I, you know, I got kids, I got a family, uh, we're back to being, um, I'm the sole breadwinner for my family, but you know, this is the sort of thing that honestly I would do for free if I were financially independent. I love the process. I love building something. So the point here is if you want to create a side business, let's say for the sheer joy of it, let's say you have a full-time job right now, but you want to create a freelance writing business on the side, um, because you just love to write, you love to build something or whatever the joy might be, uh, or you want to take your existing business to the next level because you find that challenge exciting, or you want to try something new, or you want to grow professionally. I think that's okay. I think it's totally okay. But, and this is a big, but keep in mind that there's always a price for going after a goal. So Make sure you know what that price is and that you're willing to pay for it. And sometimes it's an innocent price. It's a price that you might be willing to, to make. You know, there's a price of time. There's a price of not being uh, available to, to your kids, to your spouse uh, all the time like you may be used to. It's, there's a price of maybe you now need to hire a sitter, a part-time sitter. Uh, you might have to give up, you know, a night out with friends you know, every couple of weeks, whatever it might be, there's always a price and just understand what that is and decide if that's something you're willing to pay. Okay. The fourth idea here in determining whether or not it's worth going after something worth quitting, uh, worth sticking to it is if you're going to go for it, go all the way. There's no try. I, I love that quote from, from Yoda. 
<laughs> in Star Wars. There, and, and I forget exactly what it is. I meant to look it up before I started recording, but the, there's no try. There's either do or don't. Uh, it's, it goes something like that. I'm sure I just botched it. But what a wonderful set of wisdom. It, there's, it, it's it's not about there's there's no try. It either if you either gonna if you're gonna do it, either gonna go all the way, or you're not gonna do it. So don't even start. The best decision you can make is if your heart's not in it. And listen, guys, I make I I haven't learned that lesson yet. Okay. I'm getting better, but I still haven't fully learned that lesson. So uh this is actually a great reminder for me that um I, I need to apply this even more. Don't even start. You know, that's that's like digging for gold for months. You know there's gold down there, it's somewhere. And you, you dig for months, and then you just leave the mine when you're just two feet away from striking gold. Now, granted, you didn't know that you were two feet away, but you knew that there was a reason there, and you were committed. You were committed to finding it, and you just gave up because it was hard, because of the dip. The benefits of most worthwhile endeavors don't come early. They come late. So you have to be willing to push through that incredible painful dip in order to gain the benefits. And what a waste of time and resources and energy it is to go after something, pay that price, and then not stick around for the benefit, for the results. So again, if you're going to go for it, go all the way, baby. All right. And then number five, this is the, the last idea I'll share with you. Quit when it just no longer makes sense. Now, again, with number four, you need to try to make better decisions before you go into it, right? You need to decide and commit early on. Commit to no or commit to yes. But if you're in the middle of something already, okay, and many of us are, sometimes you have to take a look at that and then make decisions. So take a, take a hard look at all your side projects, all your initiatives, all your efforts, and if they don't pass this litmus test, so if you're not passionate enough about it or you're not willing to pay the required price or you have a solid um, or you don't have a solid fundamental reason for doing it or you're not willing to be the very best in that area, then quit. It's okay. Do it now before you sink more time, money, and resources and energy into it, before you keep paying whatever price you're paying. In fact, Seth Godin talks a lot about this in, in that book, The Dip. He talks a lot about the importance of wanting to be the best and, and using that as your main criteria. And if he says, look, if you're not willing to be the best, and not the best in the world, but the best in that particular service or this particular endeavor for a set of specific clients or prospects at the current time. So it's kind of a weird description of it, but I, th I think you kind of understand, or I hope you understand what he's, where he's coming from there. Look, there's no such thing as best in the world, but there's a best in the world for a certain prospect right now. So unless you're willing to go there and become that the very best, don't don't even do it. Don't even try. Because we're now in an economy where there's so much choice that customers aren't even going to really do much of the research. They're just going to go with a lazy choice, which is just go for the best. 
whoever looks like the best right now with a minimal amount of effort. They don't even want to research. It's like, okay, we just do a quick search. Who's first on Google? You know, who's the first person that my colleague recommended? That sort of thing. So that's who you want to be, right? So the point here is, look, it's okay. If you're in the middle of something and it's just not working out, you need to look at it and you need to use the criteria I've already given you. If you're not willing to be the best, if you're not passionate enough about it, if you're not willing to continue to pay the required price, because maybe you don't have a solid fundamental reason for doing it, um, or you know, whatever it might be, then it's okay. It, it's it, Use it as a learning experience. Quit. Leave. Use this as a learning experience. That way you have a better litmus test next time around, next time you come across an enticing opportunity. And, you know, this is another one that, that I've had to struggle with many times. I find a lot of things interesting. A lot of ideas interest me. Uh, a lot of initiatives. I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to think of, of, of new uh, classes, new training programs where I can serve you guys. And, you know, this is, that's, that's tough because not everything makes sense, you know, and I got to tell you, this teaching and training business has many times caused me to revisit the idea. It hasn't been easy. I know it, you know, to a lot of people, it might look like this is, you know, just a cakewalk and I collect sales and, you know, this, this, um, concept or this idea that a lot of people talk about of you wake up in the morning and you check to see how many sales came in the night before. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, this is, you have to work your tail off in any worthwhile endeavor. And this is no exception. Uh, we're growing at a very healthy rate today here at, uh, international freelancers Academy in the high income business writing podcast, but it wasn't always this way. And I had to really asked myself many times, is this worthwhile? You know, I could make a better living just doing 100% freelance writing for clients. I really could. But you know what? I find a couple of things. First of all, this is where my true passion lies. And that's the big one. Number two, this is where I feel I can contribute the most. Okay, I think I can have a bigger impact than I can doing freelance writing. And I still have a couple of clients who come and go who are freelance writing clients and I love them. They're absolutely amazing. And that's why I keep them. And I still love to write for a course, again, the right clients. And the third reason I've stuck with it is because I love the process. Just like I love the process of having my candy store. Just like I love the process of building something and taking something from nothing and building into a, you know, a, a very lucrative software product as I did with my last employer. I love the process of creating something, creating something that's fun, that really adds value to my readers, my subscribers, lives and businesses. That brings me incredible joy. So those are my big whys or part of my big whys for doing what I do. And it's, Really, a, a big part of it is the process. I absolutely love the process. So that's what's kept me in here. That's what keeps me in here even when things don't go that great, you know, because believe me, there are days when I'd rather be doing something else. Um, but that's part of the dip. 
That is part of the dip, and we all face that. Nobody's perfect. So that's it for today, folks. I know this is a little bit of a different message than what I typically share with you guys, but I think it's an important message. And um, it's something that we need to revisit frequently because once you're in that dip, it's so dark and so lonely that if you don't have some kind of a guiding compass, you could easily get lost. And it's the easiest choice at that point is just to quit, which again, it might be the right thing to do, but in many cases, it hasn't been very well thought out. People just quit out of sheer desperation or because they're tired and they don't want to keep going. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. I wanted to remind you that you can grab the detailed show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 44, the number 44. And I have a couple of quick announcements for you. One is that I'm going to be opening up enrollment for B2B Business Launcher very soon. And for those of you who are not familiar with that program, this is my intense group coaching program. It's 10 weeks long. And essentially, I work with you very closely one-on-one and in a group setting, small group setting, to take your business from zero to actually getting clients in 10 weeks or less. We've had some great successes coming out of this program, and I absolutely love working with new and aspiring business-to-business and commercial writers. So if this is something that you want to explore, if you want to be notified when I open enrollment so you can learn more about it at that point, go to b2blauncher.com forward slash waiting. There is an application process to be here to uh, to actually be in that program. But um, you know, if you're very serious about this, if you really want this to be the year, you finally get this thing off the ground and uh, you get that business going and going in the right direction and make that dip there is a dip but make that dip a little smoother better less frustrating and less risky then check it out b2blauncher.com forward slash waiting it's where you can get on the early notification list if you enjoy this episode i hope you consider telling a friend or two about it you'll find social media sharing buttons on the show notes page And also, it would mean a lot to me if you gave the show a quick star rating or sentence or two for a review on iTunes. And the easiest way to do that is to go to b2blauncher.com forward slash iTunes. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.